following episode you're about to listen to is tangent from our usual episode. These do not contain usual enthusiasm and fun behind it because episodes 17 through 21 were more fact-giving episodes and are more heavily researched. Not to be confused with our other episodes, there is some research done when needed. We will not be offended if you skip past these episodes to our other episodes, starting with episode 22 of, of season two, which is a truer representation of who we are. Thank you very much, and on to the episode. Hey guys, welcome to a new Stigmas and Open Wounds. I'm Tracy. And I'm Eric. All right. So we have a new one for you guys today. Sensory overload. I told you guys about that last time. And as promised, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping the subject. So I don't always do that for you because sometimes something comes up in my life and uh, push that one through. But no, we're going to do this. So I told you that it doesn't always um, doesn't always show up in bipolar people, but I have that happen in my life, sensory overload. So I wanted to research this and find out what the deal was. So ironically, when I was researching sensory overload, Eric and I were sitting in Panera, <laughs> of all places, and it started to get busy. <laughs> and... And all the noises were happening around me, just different noises. And you got the the lights overhead. They're not they're not friendly lights. And I started to have sensory overload going on. And I'm getting excited to to explain what this was because I thought, how ironic! I'm ex- I'm researching this and and. And I'm I'm experiencing it all at the same time, right? So uh, I know I know Eric's just about to to do the whole. Uh, so Tracy, get on with it, right? So so sensory overload. Basically, well, I'm not even gonna say basically. I'm gonna give you guys the definition right here, and this is from Medical News Today. Now, and this is the website. And I got this a similar definition from multiple websites. I went with this website simply because uh, this website gave me a little bit more information, kind of dealt with kids, etc. I might touch on that today. I might not. Well, it kind of depends. So sensory overload is the overstimulation of one or more of the body's five senses. These are touch, sight, hearing, smell, and taste. Though sensory overload can affect anyone, it commonly occurs in autistic people and those with post-traumatic stress disorder, sensory processing disorder, and certain other conditions. Everyone experiences sensory overload at some point in their life. So that was kind of almost exciting to me because I thought, you know what, this doesn't just put it on somebody that has something, I don't want to say something wrong with their head, um, but I guess 
I think people just always think that, okay, you know what? People walking around with the headphones on their head, those are the ones that have sensory sensory overload, mm-hmm. right? Because I thought, man, if if I'm sitting at, say, Panera or or at a, a family dinner, because I did have, a, have it at the family dinner uh, two weeks ago, when all of a sudden everybody started talking, I thought if I was just saying, man, I'm, I'm experiencing sensory overload right now, people might look at me and think, well, what the heck is wrong with her? Is, is, is she going a little bit uh, more than bipolar or something? But no, everybody experiences this. And I don't find that surprising. No, I guess I don't either. Like if somebody were to tell me that they've never experienced it, I would right. probably call them a liar. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but if you get in a room and you have, I can't even think of what, I was going to say neon lights, but no, you have those ultra lights that they have in stores and restaurants. And then you have how many conversations going on around you at once. And then you have the clinking of glasses I mean, how many people can really handle that? Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot, right? So, yeah, that's that's a lot for one brain. And and I mean, there's I came across so much information at, when when I was reading this. Now, sensory overload happens when when one or more of the five senses becomes overwhelmed. And that that right there, overwhelmed is is the big word. Right. So like, I think I feel overwhelmed. And really what it is, is your body is simply overwhelmed. Your brain is like, I can't, I can't deal with this. And, and like it it says, I was just, just glanced down at my paper and it says, for example, a crowded restaurant. Right. So, or, or a passerby wearing a strongly scented perfume. And I know I can't handle strongly scented perfumes and and now I know sometimes that's because I get headaches, but also, I don't know, maybe it is because of when I get anxiety. And I do know that when I'm more anxious or on, say, the higher end of my bipolar, that is when I am more apt to experience the sensory overload. Which makes sense because exactly. your patient level is, patience level right. is not what... It normally would be exactly so anything it's not just specific to sensory overload it's anything yep. trips you off faster than right right than right a, like i went to the store this morning and i thought it, it was like people were stopping or they were walking slower in the parking lot and i thought come on come on come on and you know on some other days i might have thought it's okay take your time but this morning the amount of times that i wanted to snap at people was insane. So the fact that I would get sensory overload more on on those times is not surprising. Mm-hmm. And and those are the times where if there was too much music going on or like like I know I know there's times where uh, I know if if you're making breakfast, you turn on music and and it's not that I don't like your music. It just might not be the music that I would choose at that moment. So then you turn on that music and then maybe the cats are meowing and then you're going where I want to go in the kitchen. And all of a sudden there's way too much going on. And I just want to, I just, 
I suddenly have my mom in my head with Fonzie. <laughs> and, and she's saying, with, and it's like Fonzie back in the day where it's just like, everything stop. <laughs> We're all quiet. I can't remember how it goes. And I just want to just shout that sometimes. So, so now I want to kind of go to number two on my list. And so here's some symptoms of it. And some common symptoms are, of course, a sense of discomfort. Go figure, right? Inability to ignore loud, loud sound, sounds, excuse me, strong smells or other types of sensory input, anxiety and fear, extreme sensitivity to clothing or other textures. It kind of makes sense because if one sense is bothering you, the other senses are going to bother you. Feeling overwhelmed and agitated, irritability, loss of focus, restlessness, stress, and insomnia. So I've never exactly experienced the insomnia with that because it's generally a moment of time. Mm -hmm. So then that insomnia, um, I, I suppose if it's happening at that moment where I can't sleep, uh, however... I suppose I could see where that would happen. So if you're feeling any of those at that moment, you're not alone. So, and generally, so it does go on to say that, that these are some signs in the children. And a lot of these, it looks like are the same. And it is, so here's some other ones too for children. Covering the face, crying, placing the hands over the ears, uh, so these are things to really watch out for kids. The, invil- the inability to converse with others and connect with them. Running away from specific places and situations. So if you're around children, just please be, be aware. Watch this. Because they might have sensory overload and it might just be in a specific place. Or, or it might just be in general a lot of places and if that is you might have a problem on your hand and it might not be a per se a problem but it might be something to be aware of so um, you know because again you you get this this taken care of as a as a child then then that long road is gonna be a lot less long right so you know i i just I just think about, man, if if I dealt with this as a child, which who knows, maybe I did and I didn't know I'm sure everybody does. I mean, you you had instances of it when you were a kid. But imagine if you you were a child who dealt with it on a daily basis, I guess, and nobody knew it. No. And it's easy to not know it. Yeah. So so that's just something to, it's easy to not, to not be aware of these things, but... I don't know. I don't know. As a maybe as a parent, as if you if you deal with children, it's just just something to kind of keep in your head. Like, hey, if if your child is doing something out of the norm, <laughs> such as this, perhaps perhaps uh, you can ease their their discomfort. So yeah, um, and and really, what causes it? This this is what what really I found interesting to me. Because I thought it was kind of like a game of telephone in my head that was going wrong, okay? Mm-hmm. And now, 
people out there and, and even Eric's kind of giving me this weird look like I'm confused. But here I'm going to clarify for all of you, okay? So sensory overload occurs when the brain struggles to interpret, prioritize, or otherwise process sensory inputs. Now I'm going to I'm going to kind of break this down for you guys. And then and then it goes on to say it then communicates to the body that it is time to escape these sensory inputs. And then I have underlined here this message causes feelings of discomfort and panic, which of course you panic and you're so that's really interesting, actually. Right. So, so do you kind of see my my telephone game? So it's basically like you have this line of people playing telephone, right? You get one person getting a word wrong. You get another person. There's so many things going on all of a sudden, and it might not. Maybe I might be wrong saying the telephone game, but basically what's happening is. All these things are going on and here's, I'm going to give actually a better analogy. Do you ever go to maybe a bar or a restaurant and you say, I want to have a conversation with my friends, but there's a band playing. And there's a table over to the right, on the left-hand side of you, there's a band. On the right-hand side of you, there's... There is a table of people, and one of them is so loud that everybody has to scream. Right. So you have these two sounds coming in from the back, and then there's a guy sitting behind you that has a pen or something, and he's banging it on a table, so all you hear is doot, doot, doot. Right. So So you're trying to have this conversation with your table of friends, and... And and maybe one of your friends is even a quiet talker. And you're just kind of nodding, pretending that you know what they're saying. Mm-hmm. But really, all you hear is either that pen, which is probably what <laughs> I would hear. <laughs> my, my mom is probably listening to this going, Tracy would hear the pen. She'd hear the pen. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 but which... Generally, when we see that there's a band playing at, unless we want to genuinely hear the band, we usually say, well, no, because I want to hear my friends. Mm. Because what's happening is your brain can't figure out what is the most important sound to process because they're all fighting <laughs> for attention. It's like it's like when, when all the, the kids... Are going up to daddy when he comes home from work and go, daddy, get daddy. Guess what? What happened today? Mm. And he's like, can I have a beer first? <laughs> you know, so so really that's what's happening. And then you start to panic because you go, oh, my gosh, I can't prioritize all this. And what I find interesting is your definition. It kind of clearly states in the definition that this, you know, Nobody can say, oh, I don't suffer from right, sensory because overload. because it's your brain. Because, because there's no way to avoid it. it. At some point in time in your life, you're going to end up in a situation where there is going to be going more things going on in the situation you're in than your brain can process at one point in right. time, which is exactly what the definition says causes this, yes. is that it's... It's not you not being able to handle. It's your brain. It can't do yes. it. And the only the only thing is is that some people and and this is kind of the next part technically that we'll get to is that some people are better at dealing with it or staying away from it. So you might know your triggers, 
Like for instance, we try not to go into bars unless that have bands unless we want to listen to music or you know how to deal with it. For instance, if the bar that we go into or restaurant or whatever that has a band playing is so crowded, which happened one time, I said, okay, I need to step out and get a breather for a minute. And I had, uh, I had like an essential oil with me. It was like a stress away. And I put that on and I went outside, I took a breather and I put a little essential oil on. I said, okay, I just need a breather. And it was still jam packed in there. However, it helped me because I wanted to see the band. It was our friends and whatever, but it helped, it helped me breathe. Cause sometimes that's what you need to do because it, your brain needs that moment to say, okay. Cause there was a lot going on at that moment besides the sensory overload. It was sensory overload, social, and there was, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was a mess. So at that point you need to, you can say some people are better at dealing with it, but yeah, every, you can't, you we can't avoid it. You can't and there's always going to be a trigger. And and you know, like we use the live music thing a lot in right. this example, but. which which somebody could argue that, well, I go out to live music all the time and I never have this problem. And it's yeah. like, well, yeah, because you go out to live music all the time. You're right. used to it. Your body adapts to it. But, right, because we do too. But the average However, person does not right. adapt to it. And, and I don't, no matter how much live music you go see, there's a breaking point. Right. You know, maybe it just takes that there has to be three stages in the vicinity of your earshot. So you're hearing three bands playing at one time. Right. Before you hit that sensory overload level. It, but it's going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. There's, there is a breaking point. And, and like my breaking point is probably sooner than your breaking point. And it's, it's just the way that each person is built. Right. And I would love to know. Because I would assume also that your breaking point is a lot sooner than mine. And I would love to know if that plays into the effect that you hit sensory overload um, right. quicker than I do. Or is it that that because of your mental conditions, mm-hmm. that just a lower level of sensory overload has a bigger right. effect on you? You know, that, I, I don't know be. which way that would go, and I'm not going to be a scientist and try to figure it out or anything but but that would be a very interesting thing to know is is that what exactly does cause it because based on the definitions you have there it sounds like sensory overload isn't really tied to mental disease it affects mental disease patients but it but does it actually make it worse or is it just because other aspects of their brain don't work the way they should that it makes it worse i guess I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. But. No, it, it, it very much does. And that's that's a good question. Um, yeah, it's it's a very, that is a very good question in, in terms of that. I wish I could answer that because I guess I didn't, you know. Well, Tracy has a homework assignment now. Yeah, I, I, will, I will do some research and, and, and search that in terms of that. Because, yeah, like you said, we know who it affects more of. But, yeah. I was gonna say I I could I could tell you treatments, <laughs> but now I, well, I I mean I'm curious what are the treatments because my instinct right away is is that if you're feeling sensory overload 
I mean, you get you need to get away from the trigger of the sensory. You know, whatever say. whatever that sensory is that's well, kicking in the sensor, get away from it. Walk away from it. If 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 you're at a table and there's this dude standing exactly. next to you that's well, just screaming and you can't, your brain can't handle it. Walk away. <laughs> but but is there other? Right. Well, so the first the first line that I have highlighted says. There is no specific treatment for sensory overload. <laughs> <laughs> is, honestly, yeah. But it does say occupational therapy may be, and that is underlined by them. It says may be helpful for children, which is good. And, and that makes sense because it's kind of like, you know, when you learn things as a child, it's it's a little bit easier. So what it says is occupational therapists can help people make changes to their environment to minimize the frequency or severity of sensory overload. Okay. And that makes a lot of sense. And that makes sense. So, and that, and that's just for children, but it can also definitely, it can I mean, I think it's going to be the most effective with children because kids learn things better than adults do. It's kind of like when, when you learn, when I learned flute as a child, when I learned uh, German as a child and, way better at German than I am at learning Spanish now. So, and then it does also say many people can manage their episodes, which again, a lot of this kind of stuff is managing. And, and really that's essentially what I do. And again, not that I get this very often, but once you know what does it for you. So we were again, kind of going back to my, original example we were at Panera in the morning and I know that it starts to get busy at lunch for some reason because I don't know I like the breakfast but 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 so when it starts to get busy for lunch I'm like all right I'm gonna hightail I'm gonna finish my stuff I need to do before it starts to get busy at lunch and get my butt out of here so that's kind of how I manage that again otherwise I do it is kind of take a breather outside and come back in or I just get out. I will also say that I think just I think the key to this sensory overload thing is is, is again, we're not doctors, but but just learning what what triggers right. well, what and triggers it for you. And, and there, I, you can't read it. You we again, can't tell you what that is. We can't read. You can't read a book that's going to tell you what it is. You just have to figure out what triggers for you because it's yep. different for everybody. And and but just just knowing that I'm walking into a situation where I exactly. think that this could trigger it. You know, you can either dismiss yourself and get away from that situation and calm down, relieve the sensory overload, or just remove yourself from that situation in general, if possible. And there are some other things that, that this medical news today does suggest. It does say keeping a diary of signs. Which, so if you, which makes if sense. you experience this enough, now I don't, I feel like I don't experience this enough to feel like I should. If I were to experience this enough, I would keep a diary of signs, symptoms, etc. Avoiding the triggers of sensory overloads. So if you know, like, hey, this is where I go. This is what I do. Yeah, maybe you should avoid those. Asking others for help reducing sensory inputs. Definitely. I know asking for help is really hard <laughs> a lot of times. We've talked about that, but seriously, guys, ask for help. 
uh, identifying safe spaces to escape when sensory overload occurs at school, work, other venues. Kind of talked about this a little bit at other times too. I know I'm pretty sure at most of my jobs, I've escaped to the bathroom <laughs> because, hey, I don't I don't like sitting at those disgusting bathrooms, but if that's the safest breather I can get, I'll do it. But uh, staying near an exit, I try doing that a lot of times too. So that, you know, like, and, and here's the other thing too, when I go to places, I kind of like, look, okay, so here's where the exit is from here. Whereas I know Eric looks for where's the bathroom. So, so if you're ever somewhere with Eric, just say, Eric, where's the bathroom? <laughs> so just so you know. And talking to teachers and colleagues, friends and others about sensory overload and asking for their support. And that's really good too, because honestly, guys, if you are going to school or if you are working, etc., if you have their support, that is that is really big. And that's whether or not we're talking about sensory overload or something else. I think it is really good to let them in on whatever it is you're going through. Because when I finally let one of my, I think actually it was my last boss that I was working for. When I let her in on what I was going through and I said, hey, if I need to take five minutes in the bathroom because, you know, I'm having an anxiety attack or whatever, uh, I'm having a breakdown, you know, this is, this is what's going on. And she was totally cool with it. I'm not saying everybody else is going to be cool with it, but I think you would be surprised. So it is just very good to let people know. So it's, it's just a, important to, to just at least let them know. And um, if they judge you, they judge you. I guess, honestly, because the thing is, is then at least you let them in because if something happens, Mm -hmm. I guess that's the biggest thing is how often do you spend there if it's school or work? So that's my biggest thing. Uh, And taking regular breaks, that's huge, huge, especially if it's sensory overload too, I think, because your brain gets tired. And if your brain's tired, it cannot distinguish between all of these different senses Mm -hmm. so definitely for sensory overload so there's just two more ideas on here so there's actually a lot more ways to manage this than i expected drinking a lot of water and eating a balanced diet now that one sort of surprised me but i think really the reason that is is keeping our brain and body healthy yeah i mean it's just a matter of the healthier you are, the better your body works. Yeah, because so. I think I've noticed on days that, like, say I have a migraine or something and I can't eat, just the rest of my body, and it's just not as good, so then I'm just not well, and mm. yeah. And then just, here's, this one wasn't from Medical News Today, but I saw this on a different list, and I felt like I needed to put this on here because I love it. It's a weighted blanket. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, I mean, and let's be honest. Everybody should have everybody a weighted, needs it. We, you we guys should have a weighted blanket. So yes. So because the weighted blanket is, it's just like a huge hug. Yes. It is. It really is. So if you are having an issue, you just put that weighted blanket on you, and you feel like you're being hugged. Or yeah, it's it really is. It's it's a good therapy. 
I know a lot of times they say it's good for autistic people. I think it's great for me when I'm having anxiety, which actually they do say it's good for anxiety, I believe, which is why I originally wanted one. So I like it. It's also good for aches and pains. <laughs> so I like it for that. It's good for cramps, ladies. <laughs> it's, it's, I like it. I just like it. So, and most of these are pretty much what you can do for children as well. But when you, if you happen to see a child going through this, it also says, give the child the words to explain what's happening and how it feels and validate the child's feelings. But quite honestly, I feel like we need to do more of that for adults too. We don't, we don't validate adults enough, my God. So I think that goes for both adults and children. So, and inform teachers of the possibility of sensory overload and ask for their support. So yeah, I, uh, I think that's important. And seek help from a doctor, occupational therapist, or other specialist, which again, could be for adults too. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, some of the stuff that they put for the children, I'm just like, well, why is that only why, for jail? Why is that for children? <laughs> but yeah, because I honestly, if if I'm being really honest, I think sometimes adults forget to take care of themselves. Well, um, and it's because of lists like that that adults forget to take care of themselves, right? Well, and and here's here's the thing. So I know that last week or two weeks ago, the last episode, Eric had mentioned that he had listened to a podcast that had a gentleman on who was bipolar. And now he could finally understand some of the terms that he was talking about. And in this podcast, this gentleman said, I don't have the luxury of ignoring what I have. And that stuck out to me when I heard that. And I thought, wow, just, I don't think like that was, that was a bold statement. And and I, I feel like, I feel like that was, that was actually probably the most adult thing that anybody could say, mm-hmm. if if I'm being honest, especially since he was diagnosed when he was probably, I think he said like 20 or something. But he, I, he did try to ignore it he for did, he a did. very long time. Which until... almost, which I almost did. I didn't, but I kind of did. So... But I think I think that's what we do as a society with mental illness, whether you have it or you don't have it. Because I thought that I was dealing with mine, but I wasn't. Well, you were. I mean, you. Everybody deals with it to an extent. It, a, but they deal with it in a different way. But then you'll. But there's always a person that. But you, there's always more you could be doing, and even still, Tracy, there could be. There's more There's that you still, could be doing right. now. Well, and I, I'm, I'm, but, right. And I'm, you know, I'm finally going to like crack open these books that I, but I mean, like, like a great example of it is prior to this podcast. I mean, how many times have you ever looked up sensory overload on the internet to really understand what it is and what it, could be done? Well, if I'm being honest, I, this was a fairly recent thing. I think that I was starting and I don't think I even knew what it was. Mm-hmm. But the point so, being is, is right. that there's plenty of other things that you probably just never looked up. You knew you had it, 
and you knew mm-hmm. that you were on medication for it, but you never really looked it up to understand what it was. Oh, and that's exactly you, it. You know, to see, right. okay, like, what can I do besides this pill and this to right. make this better for it, me? Essentially, so I was like a kid who had a book report to do, okay? And I looked at the back jacket of the book, maybe read the Cliff's Notes, and said, I can write this book report. I know yep. my stuff. Okay. Now I'm ready to crack the book open. I'm, I'm excited to read the book and learn about it. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I knew what I had to know. I, I was like, I was like, I know Shakespeare. I, I know, I know that Romeo and Juliet die at the end, but I didn't know the grit that went mm-hmm. on yeah. in between. Right. And, and you know, like you can't you can't know Shakespeare without opening it up. You don't know the language, mm-hmm. and like it's it's deep. And this is deep. Like I need to open it up and really investigate it. And that's what's going on now. Is I'm actually digging in, and and you know I don't blame anyone for pretending for a while that it doesn't happen. That 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 this isn't real that or whatever like yeah sure i've got this owner's manual and most people just sort of look at the owner's manual and say okay this this is what the lights are this is oh this is what this light is when it lights up okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's what it is and i'm excited that you know i was excited that i knew what this was but nobody really wants to know that they have this thing for the rest of their life and and i think I think maybe that's where I was stuck or something. I don't know. So, I mean, it's. I think it's a very normal thing. It it really, it it, really is. It's you don't really become too obsessed with researching something like this until you realize the effect that the research can do for you. Right, and now that I'm now that I'm researching it, and it it is uh it is kind of a shame because I don't know maybe. Maybe it's part of our society's fault, too, because, you know, we're and not taught that we should understand this stuff. Right. And that's and, and that's I think. But but in the same sense, again, like I say, I'm like, maybe it's my doctor. Maybe it's this. But then I'm like, no, I can't say that either. This is the point where I need to say, Tracy, it's you. Right. And and you can say, well, my doctor should be educating me about it. But at the same point in time. Most people that have these conditions aren't ready to, ready to deal with them either. Right. And most people never deal with them. So it's very un... When, when a doctor has not 12 patients that are suffering from something and, and 11 of them don't want to understand the condition they have, they just right. want it to go away, it, it becomes hard for a doctor to be like, well, you should be really be properly educated yeah. on this condition to, to be able to properly manage it totally. well, that's just an impossible thing for for them to do and at the same time they can even try to do it with people but if the person isn't ready to face it and the person isn't ready to you know commit to making this better it's not going to work anyways oh so it's in- really kind of a double-edged sword right it, on- it really it really is well and 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 i guess the hard thing is what I was really trying to figure out yesterday in in this podcast, and I want you guys to know too, I want to put this podcast in our social feed and stuff because I want you to listen to this. 
but when I was listening to this, the uh, his mother-in-law was saying, it's like if you had diabetes, as long as you take your medication, that's all it is, as long as you control it. So then I put myself in the shoes and I said, if I had something like this, if I had diabetes or whatever, would I go out and would I do this research mm-hmm. and would I be doing all this research or if would I, if I got cancer, if I got this, would I be doing research to know what the best medication, what the best or what this, what, like, would I be doing this legitimately? What I don't know. Or would the doctor be giving me what I, I don't know? So I, I was legitimately trying to put myself in the shoes of if I had a different disease that more people knew of that took a physical toll on me, which don't get me wrong. My mental disease takes a physical toll on me, but that more people can see, I guess, take a physical toll and or more people know. And, and I don't know what I would have done. Like, I don't know how, how that would have switched the, the script, I guess. So, so yeah, it, it really puts it, but the only, the only thing that I can say is that this is the point in my life where now I am, I'm taking ownership and, and I'm glad for it. <laughs> so that's, that's where we're at. And I, and I'm happy that I'm learning more about it. And I guess I wish I would have done it earlier, but, but I'm glad that I'm growing and I'm learning and, and I hope that I can help somebody else along the way. And I got one more thing, just maybe a little bit off topic. And this might, it came from the podcast that you are talking about right now. So you can tell me if this was in it, but I recently listened to something and they were talking about something about mental disease. Mm -hmm. And they had mentioned that they had mentioned about the taboo booze with mental disease. And just one of the things I found very interesting was that they mentioned that when cancer first became a thing, it had the same taboo. So it wasn't. So like if I I, I think it was cancer, but it was some very, very common disease that we have nowadays. It might not have been specifically cancer, but whatever disease it was, if you got this disease, it was brand new. People didn't really understand it very much. And so many people believed it was your fault that you got that disease. Very much in the same way. Well, I mean, I guess... More so, I think people just don't think mental disease exists right. more so than it's your fault that you have right, mental right. disease. But but it was a very similar taboo, which the reason why I bring this up is it just kind of got my head turning, my gears going of, well, maybe the so stigmas that we're seeing right now with mental disease in 20 years maybe people won't be dealing with these stigmas anymore because people God, will I have hope so. have embraced that this is a thing and they'll have a much better understanding of how people are affected by this and and you just have to work around it you know so yeah whether i i feel like mental disease has been around for a very long time and it has always had the stigma so I guess it's only it really, time time will tell. But then at the same point in time, I would say like back in the 50s and stuff like if you go way back, I think mental de- disease back, wasn't even a disease. Like it might be that if you had a serious mental disease, they just locked you up. 
if in, they did, and called you. Well, they they locked you up, or the, I think they might have you know done shock or something, and then you come back, but they didn't talk about where you went to or something like that. So I, it's sort of like yeah, it it was just very not talked about. So now you can talk about it. Yeah. And, so we're so we're, we're on we're that progressing. We're progressing <laughs> and. Eventually, maybe this will be something where you know you don't you don't have to feel like you have to hide the fact exactly. that you have it. Exactly. You know, and it might get to the point where employers have systems in place where you just say, "Hey, I suffer from this," and they know exactly you know the best way to deal with that and the most streamlined system, so you right. can be most effective at your job while working around the condition you have or something like that. You know? Exactly. Well, and, and like, I don't expect that all the employers are, or everybody, et cetera, are going to be like, know the difference between bipolar one, bipolar two. I mean, how I didn't even know that, that there was a different, like between bipolar one. I mean, I knew that bipolar one, they had mania instead of, uh, well, in a, I guess I thought it was just instead of hypomania, but apparently it's in addition to. So I learned something, guys. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I'm not expecting everybody to learn the difference between bipolar one, bipolar two. But I guess eventually my dream is that people will be like, okay, so bipolar is different from just plain depression or, yeah. you know, just run of the mill. That'd be great. I guess my dream is that some of the bigger ones, more common ones, more people would eventually get to know. Mm-hmm. So, because I mean, yeah, I guess there's some out there that I'm just like, wait, what's that one? <laughs> that I don't even know. So I guess really with that, I mean, we went on a tangent at the end, but I'm I'm okay with that. Sometimes no, my, my t- the tangents are my favorite part. So sorry. I know. No, I, I am too. I really am. So I, I was going to... I was going to read a little something at the end, but uh, I'm not sure what I did with it. So I'm going to read it next time because it kind of ties together this and the next next episode. But what it is, is we're going to do an episode about empaths next time. And I realized that we never really talked about empaths. And when I had Lisa on... Uh, I think I think she's the one who said I'm an empath, and I said, "Oh my God, me too." And then I thought, I don't think we ever really explained what the heck that is. And you're I gonna asked, have to explain it because I have no idea what it is. Exactly. So. so I'm really looking forward to what that is. But I will briefly tell you guys. Basically, we feel everything, <laughs> <laughs> in the long and the short of it all. So. So yeah, and I kind of thought that was going to be a really good one to put after sensory overload, <laughs> where you feel a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. But no, we're empaths are a little bit oversensitive, I guess you can put it. So when Eric's stressed, I'm stressed. So when Eric's sad, I can't help but be a little bit sad. But yeah, so I'm pretty excited to do that one for you guys. And I'm not going to pull that one. We're going to, we're definitely going to put that one there too. No matter how much I'm excited about the, the other one that I'm researching now. So, but I'm not going to tell you guys about that one. 
<laughs> just a case. Just a case. So, with that, I do have to ask Eric if he has anything to add. No, I'm good. <laughs> He's like, I took this one on a tangent and <laughs> Yep. Well, that's good. So, again, with that, I'm Tracy. And I'm Eric. All right. Take care, everyone.